This is Tales, Tunes, and Towtons, a podcast about stories and songs from Newfoundland and Labrador. We occasionally eat Towtons, our favorite food group. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jen. Welcome to episode 15. One five. That's an anniversary, like. Yeah, there's a, there's a gift for that. What is it? I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Okay, you look it up. We should celebrate with Crystal. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know if that's in the budget. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can do crystal paperware. Is that like, you know how they do like the crystal, you know, like paper plates and stuff? Like the fake one? Like, yeah, yeah. Like paper plates. Isn't there a brand of like crystal, crystal. paper plates? <laughs> we could get crystal wine glass. Goblet. Goblet. There you go. That'll be our next big purchase. Happy 15th episode. <laughs> and we'll be moved on to the 20th episode by then and right. be regretting it. Oh, I'll look what 20 is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll share that. We'll have to share share the anniversaries on our Insta story or something. Do people do that? Uh, China. Oh, you want to go there? The mod- no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like... I guess China as in fine China. Yeah. Is yeah. The 20th present and it's meant to symbolize the beautiful life you've built together. The modern take on gifting for this milestone is platinum. Oh, Strong, like your union. Okay. Cool. I would like to go to China though. Or maybe we could just like find a China Chinese connection for episode 20. <laughs> we'll work on it. Mm-hmm. Happy 15th uh, anniversary. <laughs> Happy 15th. Have we, all, have we known each other person. for 15 years? I don't know if we have. I want to get some crystal. That's all. Sam's ten, Sam's almost seven. Sam will be 11 this year. So we've known each other like 13, 14 years, probably. We'll report back. We shall confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, song today is the world's most popular song. Oh, happy birthday. Sarah! <laughs> it's Sarah's birthday tomorrow. And I was going to be like, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, yes. What? I want it to be funny. <laughs> What's the world's most popular song? Happy birthday, isn't it? Oh, Guess right. I'll sing the whole thing for you. You happy birthday, dear Sarah. Whose birthday is tomorrow? Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyways, pretend that was funny, everyone. It was it ended up being funny because I ruined us, it. At least. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were gonna, you were gonna tell me the world's most popular folk song from Newfoundland, and well, then I thought I was actually, being funny. Maybe this is the world's most popular song that I chose today. <laughs> but I went with we all know how much I love my Gerald S. Duell songbook, but I veered back to this week, um, the Catch a Hold This One Songs of Newfoundland Labrador Volume One, and this is a kind of more recent song. I think it's become definitely oh I wonder if me just describing this if you could guess what it is it's definitely like a staple in the Kwanzaa music festival uh okay 
it, once you sing it, it's like, doesn't leave your head. It's become one of the, I think the province's most popular, you know, modern folk songs. It was written in the eighties. Um, do you have a guess? I do, but I'm, I'm afraid that it's not like in the, I mean, it's definitely in the, in the Kiwanis music festival. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Is it Saltwater Joys? Oh, so close. So close. Okay. I would. That is another beautiful. Second story. place. Second place. Uh, but it's uh, Wave Over Wave. Oh, okay. By Jim Payne. I'm not in the Kiwanis loop like you would be, <laughs> like you would know. So I wouldn't. Oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, do you know the song? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, most people, uh, people know it. So, um. Yes, this has become, I think, one of the most favorite songs uh, in our province, and it was written in the 80s by Jim Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, actually, I didn't know this. I don't know if I should be embarrassed to admit this, but Jim actually runs a recording company called Sing Song Inc. Cool. And um, I did not know that. <laughs> Anyways, this is just a little bit about Jim from that website. Okay. Uh, he's a native of uh, Notre Dame Bay and is a performer, collector, and producer of Newfoundland traditional music. Like, he is probably right now, like, and has been for a long time, like, one of the provinces, I think, most beloved uh, traditional artists. Cool. Um, He's one of the provinces, back to the, his little bio from singsonginc.ca. He's one of the province's most prolific songwriters, as well as being a singer of traditional songs, a storyteller, writer, actor, an instructor and caller of traditional Newfoundland set and square dances. Ooh, cool. Oh, so, as soon as we're able, we're going to do a square to dance. Join a, yes, a Newfoundland set and square dance group. Okay. Or start our own and get Jim Payne to teach us how. Maybe there's a Facebook group. Like Run in the Goat. Yes. Which I've done before. So fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he has directed, composed, and performed music for some of the most popular theater productions of the past three decades as well as creating soundtracks for plays, documentaries, and videos. Uh, He has performed extensively on radio and television in Canada and abroad in feature films and has toured throughout North America, Europe, Japan, and Australia. So I did not know that like Sing Song Inc. was um, his company that he owned and operated. And he started it in 1989. Is that in, does he live in town now or is that still in Notre Dame Bay? Uh, I'm pretty sure Jim lives in town. I've done projects with him. I could be wrong, um, but I've done projects with him throughout the years. Like he wouldn't know me. Right. But like, I, of course, know who he is. <laughs> and, but like with choir and things, we've, um, when we've gone on little tours and stuff, mm-hmm. we did one year uh, where he came along with us and it was okay. really cool. We were oh, singing cool. music and, and he was able to hear other kids in different schools we went to sing his songs and mm-hmm. we worked on them together uh real real like gem of a person and treasure cool so yeah sing song ink check him out oh yeah his recording of the song includes janice spence's recitation so i'm gonna read a recitate is that how you say it recitation recitation add that to my miss add that to my mispronounced words recitation (laughs) yes yes I won't edit that out. I'll be embarrassed, but I'm learning (laughs) to live with my pronunciation mistakes. This is um, Wife's Monologue by Janice Spence. So this was spoken in the original stage version 
of wave over wave i have to find a video of that okay okay well i can't complain i haven't had it as hard as some god knows and for the bit of time that you've been around in the past 16 years well you've been a good man i remember the year we were married it was a good year You were working for my father, and it seemed to me that I had you all to myself every minute of every day. And all the sweet long hours of the night. I think that was the happiest year of my life. But by the spring of the following year, just after my birthday it was, you gotta be itching after something, and in no time at all you'd gone down and you'd signed up on the Mary Eleanor. It was then that I knew I was married to a sailor. I couldn't even bring myself to go down and say goodbye to you. Now, I'm not complaining. We've always had a roof over our heads, and we've never wanted for very much. I always said now that I never had it as hard as May. Her husband, Jack, well, he'd only be home one or two days out of the year. That's when he was working on the coastal boats. My dear, when he'd come home on the Prospero, she'd have to go down there and get him because he was too blind drunk to make his way home by himself. And I'll never forget the night I was over at Nan's. The night Poppy Rogers came home. Poppy Rogers, gone 11 years. We hadn't heard a word from him. We didn't know what had happened to him. Sure, we'd give him up for the dead. Well, that night, Nan just looked out the window, and she saw him coming up the path. And all she said was, put the kettle on, Frank's home. But I do wish you'd been here with me when Gary died. My God, that was a hard winter. The flu, epidemic proportions, they'd say on the radio. I remember the night Mom and I laid him out. Oh, your mother came over too. I think Gary was her favorite, really. Anyway, that night I sat up with him. I sat up in that big old chair your brother made, and I must have dozed off, because around four or five o'clock in the morning I woke up, and just for an instant, you were there. You were bending over and kissing his cheek. Well, you were back in port six months later, and you gave me Kevin, and Kevin had the croup. He coughed and he bawled for a solid year straight. He had me raftered. He had me clear drove off my head. And then the following year, you were only home for a week. I got rose out of that visit. But you've always sent me lovely presents. Sometimes a year goes by and I have no word, no letters or such. But always, bits and pieces from here, there, and everywhere. A lovely shawl arrived for me in the mail today. Three yards, beautiful colored silk. I wonder where it's from. Spain, Morocco, some place I've never been to. It's gorgeous. It puts me in mind of warm winds and people speaking in foreign tongues. But sure, where am I going to wear it? I suppose now I'll put it on when I go out in the garden digging up a few turnips. We're making a bit of soap. 
about a lie. Well, I'm going to go and light the candle for you now. It'll always be here in the window to guide you home. I'll always be here for you, God willing. You know, for the bit of time that you've been around in our married life, well, you're the only man I've ever had. You're the only man I've ever wanted. And then it goes into the song. Oh my goodness. Isn't that so sweet? Yes. Anyway. It's hard to imagine, like, literally your husband is gone 50 weeks of the year or 51, whatever. Like, and he just comes home, gets you pregnant, <laughs> goes on again. Have like, fun with that. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Definitely a different way of life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and how the women, like, so strong, made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. That w- but that was normal and totally fine. And yeah. Yeah. Like crazy. My husband has to be on the water. That's like, you know, and this is what well, this song is kind of about. Yeah. Like I, I know the song. I know the tune. Mm-hmm. I don't know any of the words. Couldn't tell you what it's about. If it was happy, sad, mad, angry, whatever, mm-hmm. funny. So now I'm curious. <laughs> okay. Here's the song. Me name's Abel Rogers, a shareman am I, on a three-mastered schooner from Toilingate Isle. I've been the world over, north, south, east, and west, but the middle of nowhere's where I like it best, where it's wave over wave, sea over bow. I'm as happy a man as the sea will allow. There's no other life for a sailor like me. But to sail the salt sea, boys, sail the sea. There's no other life but to sail the salt sea. The work it is hard and the hours are long. My spirit is willing, my back it is strong. And when the work's over, then whiskey will pour. We'll dance with the girls upon some foreign shore, where it's wave over wave, sea over bow. I'm as happy a man as the sea will allow. There's no other life for a sailor like me. But to sail the salt sea, boys, sail the sea. There's no other life but to sail the salt sea. I'd leave my wife lonely ten months of the year. She made me a home and raised my children dear. But she never come out to bid farewell to me. Or can why a sailor must sail the salt sea? Where it's wave over wave. See over bow, I'm as happy a man 
there's no other life for a sailor like me but to sail the salt sea boys sail the sea there's no other life but to sail the salt sea i've sailed the wide ocean for decades or more and many times wondered what i do it for i don't know the answer it's pleasure and pain but with life to live over i do it again where it's wave over wave sea over bow i'm as happy a man as the sea there's no other life for a sailor like me but to sail the salt sea boys sail the sea there's no other life but to sail the salt sea like i didn't even know it was his perspective oh the song Right. Yeah, like she does the recitation and then he sings. Yeah, that's cool. Crazy. So obviously, this person was meant to be on the water. Yep, yep. That life worked for him too. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what makes marriages like better when you're gone. For yeah, time. that's why nobody got <laughs> divorces because they never saw each other. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. My one of my favorite. Like this is one of my favorite lines like ever ever to sail the salt sea boys to sail the salt sail the sea there's no other life but to sail the salt sea Mm -hmm. like can't say it any other way no no and I guess this is the opposite of a few weeks ago where we did the ocean ranger I think working on oil rigs is definitely calling as well but like that song was very tragic whereas this one Mm -hmm. is like you know paints that picture of yeah yeah, it's hard like else they want yeah pleasure pain I if I had to do it again I would because Mm -hmm. yeah that's the life for me yeah Jim Payne did a good job pairing that all together group work love Jim Payne (laughs) yeah so I'll link I'll share like um his sing-song um as well like shout out local if you're looking to buy local music like fred's records has a lot of jim and jim sings a lot with uh fergus o'burn right so fred's has a lot of their records so maybe we can shout out fred's as well fred's records. definitely we'll share those links okay. so i'm so excited about my story this week This week, I got my information from heritage.nf.ca, Wikipedia, a website called Law and Order, and um, another website called ourtownstories.co.uk, as well as the book, and I will show Jen, Haunted Shores by Jarvis. This would have been a good Halloween one, but the reason why I'm excited is because we've gotten to episode 15. So I'm able to like layer in other stories. Look at you. 
I know. Okay. So we're going to start with a fun fact. The RNC, Royal Newfoundland Constabulary, dates back to 1729. A century later, the RNC was modeled after the RIC, which stands for the Royal Irish Constabulary. In 1844, the Royal Irish Constabulary temporarily appointed their own Timothy Mitchell to be Inspector General in St. John's. Because this information and all this information dates back as far as it does, the RNC is the oldest civil police force in North America. I wow. Didn't know. Yeah. So uh, there were two other officers recruited for, from the RIC to the RNC after that. One was Thomas J. Foley, who headed the RNC from 1873 to 1895. And the most important name and the topic of this week is John Roach McGowan, who served as Constabulary's Inspector General from 1895 to 1908. Does his name sound familiar to you? Say it one more time. John Roach McGowan. No. Okay. So in case you didn't remember. Can I pause for a second? Yeah. You can't see us, but Sarah's smile while she's reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing ever. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> so in episode four, I told you all about the Mun Merchant family. So I'm going to go back to that and just quote you so that you could, you're up, up to date with me. So in January of 1908, John Shannon Munn married Alice May McGowan, the daughter of the Inspector General of the RNC, John Roach McGowan. Wow. They got married at the Cathedral of St. John's the Baptist, which is the Anglican Cathedral, and were, were wed by the Bishop of Newfoundland and had their reception at the government house. Do you remember? And then John Shannon Munn, along with his grand, with um, John Roach McGowan's granddaughter, died on the SS Florizel. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. All right. So we're talking about John Roach McGowan, just to connect it back to that other story. So um, just to give you the backstory on how this all came about, I was trying to find something that would catch my attention. So I grabbed one of the books that I ordered uh, during the last lockdown, Haunted Shores, like I just showed you by Dale Jarvis. And I must have been reading this book last year, but I, I forgot. I picked it up as if I hadn't read it, but there was actually a bookmark in the book. So I opened it up and crazy this would have been before I did any of these episodes. I'm spooked out. <laughs> uh, the story was about John Roach McGowan, like right there in the bookmark. Was it bookmark from like chapters or wherever you got it or? No, no, I had put it in there. I must have read the story before this and then oh. just stopped. So I was like, well, I could go back to the beginning, but I'll just figure out why I had a bookmark in here and didn't think anything more of it. Started reading and then this name was in there. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So it was weird though, because uh, I Googled his name. I knew it sounded familiar. Looked back through my stories, found where I had talked about him, but couldn't find anything on the internet, like nothing no Google, like it was weird. So I'm looking at the book and I realize that in the book, Dale Jarvis has it spelt John Roach McCowan with a C, not a G. 
And when I previously told it, it was John Roach McGowan with a G. Mm. So as soon as I Googled McCowan, it all popped up. I have like Wikipedia world. <laughs> yes. So um, now we're up to date and we're going to continue on with the story. So McGowan would have lived um, at one Harvey Road and that would have been located at Fort Townsend. Do you know that the rooms was built on a national historic site? Fort Townsend. Did not know. I didn't either. And apparently there's like controversy around that. So I'm not going to talk about any of that, but I will tell you about Fort Townsend and John Roach McCowan and their connections. So Fort Townsend, and I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's like town S H E N D Townsend 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 Fort Townsend. So that's what we'll go with. It's an archaeological site in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador that was designated a National Historic Site of Canada in 1951. The original military fort was built as the headquarters of the British garrison between 1775 and 1779 to secure St. John's from attacks from the French as well as from American privateers and it was abandoned in 1871. I didn't realize there were so many forts around. So then I started looking into these. So there's like Fort Amherst, which I just thought was a name, but it was actually a fort. Fort Waldegrave. There was a fort at Cape Spear. And those are just some on the Avalon. There's, they they exist, existed all over the island. And a fort is just as it sounds. It's a fortification, like a home base for the military or the garrison. And then the second name is just to identify its location. So uh, I can't talk about Fort Townsend without talking about Fort William, which is another fort and name that we would recognize because there's the Fort William building. But the reason why it's named the Fort William building is because it was a fort. No. So Fort William. Why didn't I put like that together before now? I know I didn't either. I just thought like it's a name. I don't know what (laughs) fort meant, but you know. So Fort William was the original headquarters of the British garrison. And of course, then I had to Google garrison, which is a collective term for like a body of troops stationed together to either protect or simply use it as home base. So in the case of Fort William, this garrison was used as a position to protect the area from French invasion. However, it was eventually decided that the location that a location further west would be better suited for protecting the area. The second location was Fort Townsend. So um, another connection to note that in 1881, Fort William was demolished and its site was cleared to accommodate the Newfoundland Railway Hotel and Rail, Rail Yard. Sarah. I know. All the things you're obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> so Fort Townsend was designated a National Historic Site um, of Canada in 1951 because of this. So from 1779 until 1871, it was the headquarters of the Newfoundland Garrison. And I read that it was also the location of the first government house. Interesting. So geographically um 
actually, I'll tell you this after. I'll continue on. The garrison withdrew from St. John's in 1871, um, from which date the fort was left to decay. So some storage cellars with a small building, which was used as a guard room, still remained. Uh, while there's few accessible remains of the fort, some may still be found in the basement of the rooms. Can you go see them? No, but... I think from what I'm reading, eventually maybe there's a plan to dig down there. Like they sort of encased it in the building, but just closed it off. You can't access it. Like you or I couldn't go down there. Um, And I have a surprise for you. I'm so excited. I found, um, I found a drawing of Fort Townsend that was found in a sketchbook by a boy named James Grant. James Grant's earliest surviving artwork dates back from his time in Canada. And it's a watercolor image of the west side of Barrack Square, which was made when Grant was 13 or 14 years old. And it dates back, this drawing dates back to 1836 when he lived there with his family. His father worked at Fort Townsend. So I have permission to use this photo and I'll share it. It's really cool. It's, it's a drawing and it's from 1836. Like a watercolor? Yeah, yeah. It. Oh. I didn't know it was watercolor. It looks like a colored sketch. Right. But it's, you know, you can, it's, it's good. It's good. So I'm going to tie this up in a little bow for you now and bring you back to John Roach McGowan. McGowan. He was born in Kilrush, County Clare, Ireland, and came to St. John's in 1871 to join the Terra Nova Constabulary. He built quite a career for himself in Newfoundland, continuing to move up in the ranks, winning awards, gaining recognition along the way. In 1876, he married Elizabeth Netton, uh, daughter of the Reverend William Netton, and they had a family of four sons and two daughters. Uh, In 1879, he was appointed as governor of Her Majesty's Penitentiary. And then after that, in 1895, he was appointed inspector general of the Newfoundland Constabulary. So for that position, they built him a home at Fort Townsend. The address was 1 Harvey Road. So we're coming right back to where we started. One Harvey Road. So this is where he lived until he died at the age of 63 while he was still an active member of the Newfoundland Constabulary. So young. Yeah. The date was February 8th, 1908. And uh, he passed away at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Montreal where he had been sent to be treated for pneumonia. But I want to add that his daughter was married in January of 1908. And that was the wedding that I talked about that from episode four. So that was only a month before. He died a month after his daughter's mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah. So, and Jen, guess where he's buried? In the cemetery with Daniel. <gasps> yes. yes. Yeah. So we'll have to go back and look for, yes. uh, look for that. Check find, find, Oh, your grave. Find your grave. But we got to wait for the snow. Maybe the snow. Yeah. Yeah. So after uh, McCowan's passing, the home was lived in by a number of inspectors and their families until 1952. After that, it housed a number of different businesses and organizations, even the premier's office for Joey Smallwood. 
1965, it was occupied by Traffic Court, and that is when the reports of paranormal started. (laughs) Twists and turns. (laughs) So according to Dale Jarvis's book, people who stayed after hours to get work done started experiencing strange, inexplicable things. They could hear footsteps, sometimes coming up from the basement, and some reported that they could see the image of a person or shadow out of the corner of their eye. Eventually, there was even a number of employees that refused to have to stay late after work because they feared whatever spirit was in the building. So Dale Jarvis tells the specific story about a woman who stayed late one night. She wasn't worried about this because she was expecting her boss to come by. So she heard him come in. She heard footsteps coming, approaching. Thinking it was her boss. Yep. And out of the corner of her eye, she saw, I have goosebumps as I'm telling you this, (laughs) saw him walk past the door. She calls out to him to come back to review a file and the man stops in front of the doorway and stares at her when she looks up he has like an expression of shock or terror on his face and she realizes that she's not staring at her boss she's staring at like a very realistic she thought it was a real person she could describe his clothes like the pinstripe on his suit but he was wearing old clothes So he had like a handlebar mustache, a dark jacket with coattails, matching pinstripe pants, and... Very dapper ghost. Yes. And so they figure that it was no other than the ghost of John Roach McCowan. Wow. And she said when she, she... It was so real. She tried to speak to him again. And when she spoke to him, he just disappeared right in front of her face. So did the boss come after? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so um, after the, it was traffic, it was the traffic court office. Um, It became something else, but those people didn't experience this. And then the building was torn down because the rooms was built. So we have to go to Harvey Road because apparently the steps and the gate to the home are still there. Like on the side of the rooms? On Harvey Road, down like on the bottom side, like right in front of the Kirk, say across the street from the Kirk. Yeah. Up on Harvey Road. There, I'll show you. um, There's like, I guess I haven't driven by, but there's a couple pictures in this book. So I'm going to show you where, can you see that? Uh, yeah, that's the house. That's the house. So I'm showing Jen pictures from the book. So I think that those pillars and the gate are still there, but that's like the concrete wall on the bottom side of the rooms. We have to go. We have to go. <laughs> so that's the story of John Roach McCowan. Wow. Yeah. It's so neat that it all tied back in. And it's, stories that you've told. I know. I was so excited. As soon as I started like diving in, all this stuff started popping up. And and I was like, I had a million tabs open on my browser. And yeah, it was really cool. But it's also so cool that like all that history sits right there in a place that we pass all the time. All the time. I pass that time. every day. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, the White House on the corner 
I, I don't know much about it, but I know that there's a monument there and that's like a memorial site for Fort Townsend. There's like a couple plaques there. It's like on the corner. It's like a L shape little I think spot. So. Yeah. So we'll have to have a look there. And I was going to tell you too, um, I believe that Fort Townsend was the rooms, uh, including so that whole block so you know if you go back to tim hortons over to like sam design and turn up that side street where the rnc headquarters is that entire block is what fort townsend was yep there's some history for you very cool yeah and uh go ahead if you i was gonna say if you don't follow dale jarvis yeah um, this book is yeah. like a re- it's full of like short stories but there's photos like there's a photo of um john roach mcgowan and his <gasps> wife i want to see him yep it's not what i had imagined in my mind oh yeah i'm showing jen oh. yeah so he got all of these images uh with permission from uh the city of st john's archives and then there's the picture of the house I'm just trying to see if there's, I think those are the only ones. Yeah. Those are the only ones. I also borrowed one of Sarah's books by Dale called on this day. It's 365 tales of history, mystery, and more. And, um, I'm making my way through that. So what it, I do you have, is it all dates? Yeah. Just look what's March 4th. Oh, March 4th. It's like a calendar for interesting facts throw under the bush shoe cove 1955 uh a licensed brewer's agent from shoe cove ended up in court before magistrate o'neill charged with two counts of selling indian pale ale from his shop outside of legal operating hours which guilty to the second charge but insisted that he was not guilty of the first when asked why he had not pleaded guilty to the first charge the man argued that the sale had not been made by him, but rather his wife. <laughs> he signed $25 and a new summons was issued for his spouse. <laughs> so they're tiny like that. Like just little, this happened. Oh, that's the- awesome. So he's thrown his wife under the bus. We'll shout out to Dale. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So we'll, um, we'll put, we'll have lots to post about now yeah. with these two, the recitation and the song and the book and Dale Jarvis and Fort Townsend sure. and all the things. Yeah. And we'll have a photo shoot. Yes. Yeah. We will be back again next week with more, hopefully as exciting as this stuff was. Yes. We got to yep. up our game. Yep. How can we add recitation to our title? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but maybe we should get someone on here to do a real recitation. <laughs> That's a good idea. We could do that. Yeah. Themselves and even just send it to us. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. That's all we got. Jen's Bye. waving again. Done. See you next week. Hear you. We'll hear you next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>